Hello and welcome to episode 119 and my partner Emma Hughes joins me back on to the podcast since her debut a few years ago and we discuss our backpacking trip this year for five months and there's a host of questions and discussions in this one. We're going to cover our favourite cuisines, accommodations, activities, views and there's also some candid chat about anxiety on the road, the budget which was pretty much smashed on this trip and also some highlights and some lowlights. Covering all bases, not all rosy in this one as we discuss travelling and backpacking in a post-COVID world, but some real decent content here to get you started. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, you can rate and review the podcast on any platform that you use. Thank you. Welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast. This is a first for the podcast, because we are in a podcast studio in North Vancouver, in the library. Shout out to those guys, because you can rent an awesome little studio for free if you get in in advance. It's got a green screen, it's got cameras if you need them, it's got podcasts, microphones, table, pro tools, the whole lot. My partner in crime, Emma Hughes, who's come back onto the podcast. Hello. And we are going to go over our five-month backpacking trip this year. Because I think it'd be good to share what we both liked and disliked. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So, 2023, we're going to cover the route. I've got a load of questions here. I've got some social media questions as well. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about what's next. So let's kick off January. Yeah. We made the decision to hand a notice into our jobs. Yep. and go what was your feeling about that it was tough know you want to travel and that it kind of makes the most sense to do it all in one go but the consequence of that is you are quitting your job your income and your home <laughs> it is quite a big decision but once we made it it was quite exciting yeah we did leave a little bit behind but mostly it all went Apartment, yeah. possessions, uh, some clothes, yeah, all the stuff in the flat. January was quite stressful, trying to finish up our work and also, yeah, try and get rid of everything from our apartment, mostly. The worst thing was Marketplace, Facebook. Well, yeah. Some of the people you have to deal with on there. <laughs> How many times does someone say, is it still available? Yeah. Grim. But it was the right it. decision. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, okay, we'll go back to UK first. Because the start of our trip was going to be the interrailing, it made sense to go to the UK first, like, e- on the way. Yeah, got everything sorted. And we did leave a few things behind. And we'll come to this later in the podcast. But we did leave our camper van mm-hmm. and basically a load of shit in it. Yeah, yeah, it was very last minute. Haven't got time to sort this out. Chuck it in the van, deal with it in five months' time. <laughs> yeah. Google tells you you're going to leave your van for 6 to 12 months 
that you should uh, disconnect your battery in your mm. van. But we were such in a rush, we left it. And luckily, when we came back in June, it started. So that's a bit of luck, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, visited UK, and then we thought, okay, we'll catch up for a couple of weeks. My catch up was a little bit different because I went to Europe with a couple of my friends and done the Micro Nations tour, which you can hear about on the podcast. But our plan was interrailing into Europe, first of all. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to spell out the route. So after UK, one month interrailing, we went from London. The actual plan was to Istanbul, didn't make it by train, we'll come to that in a bit. Then we had one week in Turkey, and then I went to Lebanon for 10 days, you went to Greece, split ways for 10 days. Met back up in Cyprus for my birthday, for a week, and to chill out in an apartment, quite Mm -hmm. nice. Then we had two weeks in Jordan, on the road, um, road trip and stuff like that. UAE, Oman, wild camping. Then three weeks in Nepal, uh, one night in Bangkok. Is that that film, is it, or song? Then a week in Taiwan, 10 days in South Korea, then back to Vancouver. So I've got a load of questions on the notes here. Mm-hmm. One month interrailing in Europe, London, Paris, Luxembourg, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Hungary, and Austria. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, we packed a lot of countries in to one month. Yeah. It was very on the go. Every couple of days, get up and go yeah. to the next place. But it was fun. So we went in February... March, so it was cold. Cold, yeah. But we were pretty lucky with the weather. Yeah, not too busy. No, it was, yeah, from that point of view, a good time to go because things were not too crazy with tourists. Like, yeah, even though we went to Venice, and that's obviously a very touristy place, it still felt very busy with tourists in March, so I have no idea what it would be like in the peak summer. Yeah, I think... I wouldn't want it to be any busier than that in Venice. Mm-hmm. But that was a great place, Venice. But yeah, we packed a lot in. But yeah, there were lots of highlights. And also, the Interrail Pass is quite easy to use. Because if people are from Europe, you can get Interrail Pass. If you're from elsewhere, it's a Euro Rail Pass. Mm-hmm. And that is, you buy a pass, goes on an app, you pick your train, add it to your trip, and just make sure you can download your scanning code. And that's it, they come around, scan it, done. Yeah, yeah. you can just look at the train options through the app, pick the one that you want to book on. Sometimes you have to still buy a ticket for a certain Reservation route, ticket, uh, yeah. Or a particular train, but it will tell you if you have to do that, Yeah, I think. But it's very straightforward. All trains on time, pretty much by one, I think. But that wasn't even a disaster in Switzerland. No, that was Italy. There was the oh, delayed yeah. or cancelled trains. Ah, oh, there's two then. There's one in Switzerland that got delayed. Oh, that? yeah. But yeah, yeah, the one in Italy as well. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah we had to get a bus, didn't we? But no, in general, very efficient, very comfortable compared to UK trains. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Everywhere else is great compared to UK trains. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of highlights. Uh, let's mention a few in Europe. I thought the Alps train. Yes. From Kerr in Switzerland to Toronto in Italy, which was on your birthday. Mm-hmm. That was a highlight. Yeah, that was a massive highlight. That was awesome. Perfect day. Yeah, clear day. But going through the mountains with all the snow, just snow-covered mountains, felt quite magical. Yeah. Like the amazing, almost like 
365 degree mm. well maybe not quite but the glass windows like all around like ceiling, yeah. floor to ceiling glass windows was awesome and busy that train you need to it book in advance busy. that train yeah even in early March yeah well I think it, it would be popular then because of the snow but it would be equally cool to do in the summer when the yeah. snow is gone but I think I believe there's lakes yeah to see and you go quite high up because we got off at one stop maybe the last stop before we got into Toronto and that was snow on the ground yeah yeah and that is a weird feeling because you go from no snow and even an hour you're in snow and then that was quite a nice feeling going back down into Italy and it's quite mild Mm-hmm. But that view, and at the end when you go through the viaduct, that's a, I think it's the one you see on probably on Google, but that's a sensational bit through there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was probably on the Interrail Pass, off the top of my head, a highlight. Yeah. Well, you could use your Interrail Pass towards that, right? Yeah. It didn't cover the full cost. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 35 Canadian dollars each to reservate. Mm. Reservate? Is that a word? Reserve. To reserve a seat. Mm. Um, but yeah, nice. Got the panoramic windows, can see a lot. And that was fantastic. Uh, let's mention Paris. I love Paris. Mm-hmm. I know that people don't like it, but I just love the tiny little cobbled streets and also just those random coffee shops you can find. Um, we went to loads, mm-hmm. but also we got a bit ill. But do you think this is a, maybe a low point of the trip of interim past? Do, do you think we got ill because we're transitioning from working quite a stable, stationary lifestyle, and then quickly into UK catch up with those people, bang, 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 and then on top of that, no rest, straight into Paris, and then the whole trip. Mm. I guess that might just caught up with us. In well, Paris. yeah, I think it's a couple of things or possible things. Yeah, that, having a real busy January, like leaving Canada, then a busy couple of weeks in the UK, seeing everybody, getting ourselves ready for the trip. But then also just more generally, just being exposed to more people and environments after COVID and stuff. And you don't really see that many people, even in Vancouver, we're in a fairly small bubble of Mm. going to the office and seeing like the same friends. And then in the UK, you're seeing different people and then you're getting on a train into Paris. And, and then the from there, just keep, keep on going. And it's lots of different people. So I think you're just more exposed and vulnerable. So it's probably a combination of all of the things. Yeah. I blame it on the cigarette smoke. Our room is facing the entrance that came from maybe the smoking area outside. There's a special area where people smoke, I think. And it kind of drifted up to my room. I blame that. But does it make you ill? Makes your throat go. Just irritable. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. You don't appreciate like how smoky European cities <laughs> can be because in Vancouver, at least, you don't really see people smoking mm. ever. So you forget that it can be very smoke heavy in Europe. Not used to it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But a great little start to the trip. A combined interest to finish on the internet was Slovenia. Yeah. Lake Bled was amazing. 5k walk around the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Great beautiful. views. Yeah. Great colours. Snow-cut mountains. Mm-hmm. Coffees and stuff around the edge. And I think there's some walks in the summer, but closing the window. Yeah, there's bike rides and walks and camping you can do, but it was all closed when we were there. So we're going to summarise our trip with a load of questions. These are like, almost like the quickfire questions I have on my podcast, but I've talked in depth about those places on the podcast. 
in the solo episodes, but Emma's going to answer some of these questions. And there's quite a few. And I've got some from social media as well. So we're going to kick off with which country surprised you the most? And I want a good and a bad one. Probably Jordan, I guess. Because as a good one. Yeah. Because I knew I wanted to go, but really all I'd thought about from that want to go was Petra and the Dead Sea. But actually when we were there, there was loads more to do from going to Jarash. Yeah. Like the old Roman city that was incredible, like Mm. just as good or almost better in some ways than anything in Athens or Rome. And we were hiking in like mountainous ranges. We stayed a night in the desert. That there was just loads to see, and it was very easy as a tourist to get around. Yeah. So I think that was probably the good surprise. I don't really feel like I had a bad. It wasn't a bad experience, experience or like a. Oh, I'm surprised this country's bad. Like I don't think <laughs> I had that. Well, I thought Switzerland was a bit, well, not to call it bad, but like it surprised well, me because I didn't actually like it that much. Well, actually, Lucerne no, was, was nice. I think Switzerland was nice. It was just that we couldn't get over the cost of it. The cost like and you, the snow for me. It's kind of a known thing that obviously Switzerland's expensive, but when you're trying to keep on a very yeah. limited budget, I guess it was quite difficult to enjoy Switzerland when everything, even a McDonald's, was 20 <laughs> Canadian dollars. Like, <sighs> that is tough going. <laughs> that was a bad moment, 28 Canadian dollars for a meal each. Yeah. And that was the cheapest part. Okay, and the next one is which city surprised you the most? Again, good and bad. Well, we went to a lot of cities. Yeah. I think the one that surprised me the most, that was good, was actually Venice. And mm. I know that's a bit of a weird thing to say, but because so many people say, oh, I don't like Venice, it's too busy, it's blah, blah, it smells, blah, blah, blah. We went there, and it wasn't that busy. And it's amazing to walk around. Yeah, I think... I knew it would be nice. Obviously, so many people go, it must be nice. But I think I thought I wouldn't like it because it's so touristy. But no, it's actually, you get it. Yeah. And yeah, some people don't like it. But I think I could spend ages just wandering around all mm. the streets. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, and you see that, you just thought, oh, meh. Well, I mean, I guess Cyprus is a country uh-huh. that I was a bit meh about. Yeah, but we didn't go. We didn't go of... to all of it. Like we were staying in an area where there wasn't much around. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and it just, from the bits that we saw, just felt very like, well, all the Brits are here, mm. obviously including us at that point. But yeah, yeah, I found Cyprus a bit weird. I found it very easy to be in. Mm. Like the roads are quiet. The car was easy to work. The beach down the road. Yeah. But the beaches weren't that great that we saw. Yeah. The cities weren't that great either mm. and it just felt like being back in the UK for a little bit with slightly better weather the weather wasn't even that great either yeah. Nissy Beach was great mm. but busy yeah that. well I'm guessing it's one of the nicest beaches and that's why it was so crowded yeah. because it was definitely different to the other ones we visited but yeah. then we got embroiled in an advert nearly on the beach remember that when well, they started recording we an advert were being recorded around us around <laughs> us and I kind of thought did they want us to move or didn't actually ask us but yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I've got here, you can only pick one, best cuisine or food on the trip. Well, the one that always sticks out to me is the food in Turkey. Oh, yeah. Because I had the best falafel. Yeah. And 
then in Cappadocia, we were having the vegetable, oh, and in Istanbul too, like the vegetable casserole, Hot like clay pot stuff, and that was delicious. So that's what sticks in my mind. And mm. I think because a, a lot of other places as a vegetarian were quite difficult, even yeah. in Europe, it was quite hard to find vegetarian food all the time. Yeah, And decent value as well, I thought, mm -hmm. Turkey. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've heard from the ne Nepalese food would be great, because yes. it before, yeah. uh, that'd be a cop-out answer. But I think mm -hmm. new cuisines for me, Turkey. Yeah. Hit me up. Okay, the worst. Well, Switzerland, because it was expensive. But also, it was quite difficult there for vegetarian food. Yeah, sausage heavy. I felt like I was eating a lot of bread and cheese, which is not bad, but yeah. all the time gets a bit much. Yeah. And then, uh, Korea, probably. As a Again, as a vegetarian, I'm sure it's great if you're not mm. one. But to try and find vegetarian food was really tough. Some people might think that's a controversial answer, but I actually agree. You know, I struggled. Mm. And I do eat a bit of meat, but... Yeah, it got a bit annoying after a while. Yeah. Vegetarian versions of Korean food that I've tried outside of Korea, I really enjoy. But it actually, in Korea, it seemed very difficult to find. Like, even though in Seoul there's a lot of vegetarian restaurants, they, they were only kind of open on specific days. And yeah. We never seemed to be in the right area on the right days. So that was a shame. Otherwise, I really enjoyed our time there. It was just the food was a bit challenging. Yeah, okay. I've got here the most expensive place. I think we both know that already because we said mm -hmm. it. Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, by far? Uh, not by far. I think other places yeah. got quite close. Like yeah. Korea came Korea was close. Quite yeah. yeah. Okay. And the cheapest place has got to be in Nepal. Nepal. Yeah. Yeah. In Nepal, we were staying in a private room, no bathroom, but private room mm. with a bed, a slight window. That was only like ten dollars a night or something. Nine Canadian dollars, <laughs> I think. <Yeah. laughs> Nine a night. I mean, it, it wasn't five star, but no. it was good enough. But when you compare it to the private dorm room we had in Switzerland, that's about $130 a night or something ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, there you go. There's a difference in price there. I've got here, what do you think the country had the best coffee? And we went to a lot of coffee places. Yeah. I'm going out on a limb here and I'm going to pick mine. Mm. I think it's Amman. Amman? Yeah. Yeah. The Amman coffee, coffee scene is, is starting to get really good. Yeah, it was good coffee there. Yeah. Yeah, probably there. I want to say not country, but Paris. Yeah, you but could, I feel like any that's place. the obvious choice, but that's good though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's just they have the right cup sizes, not too much coffee like American style. Mm. Italy's the same as that as well. Like just and not expensive. Yeah. Yeah. The dream was going from Switzerland on the Alps train, arriving into Italy, out of the train station, into that calf. Oh, it's one euro twenty for a coffee. Let's go. Oh, it's not $6 for a coffee? No, no. Yeah. Oh, great. We can get six of these then. Yeah. Unreal. Okay, so we've gone for Oman and Paris. Mm -hmm. Decent places. Oman would be a surprising choice for a lot of people. Um, the best country or area for ease of travel, and I think what I mean by this is how easy is it to go from city to city in the country or between country to country. That's why I put area in there. Mm. Um, I'd say that everywhere I've been on this trip, was fairly easy to travel in. Nepal had its difficulties because it's got mm -hmm. chaotic roads. Yeah. But actually, when you analyse it, the trains in Europe, easy. And we're going to major cities, they probably had trams or buses or tr metros. Yeah. Turkey, we've got a couple of buses or flu. 
and then Middle East, we had a couple of cars out, and then yeah. had great roads. So I think for Jordan and Oman, I don't really think the public transport is there yeah. or set up. I don't even know if there's like tourist buses that would take you between places. There probably are. I reckon in Jordan there would be. Yeah, but so in that respect it would be difficult, but if you are able to hire a car then it's easy. Yeah. Um, Luxembourg was great purely because the public transport's free. Oh so yeah, not but that other, So not yeah. only is it easy to get around, it's also free. Oh, that has to be number great. one. Yeah, I forgot mm. about that. Yeah. All trains. Yeah. All buses free. Mm. And we got a train to Viaden Castle free. Yeah. Yeah, I think Luxembourg gets that, I think. Just purely based, it's free. Yeah. Like Seoul had a really great metro system that yeah. was easy. Taiwan, high speed rail. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we would travel anywhere that's difficult apart from Nepal when it takes 10 hours to go 80 kilometres mm. in a bus. Yeah, that's not easy. That was the worst trip for me. We'll come to Nepal in a bit. The worst trip for me was that bus ride after the trek. 10 hours get 8 kilometers has not improved in five years then you sort that out okay this is a good one because this will appeal to a lot of different people and be different for both of us because we have different feelings with this safest country as a woman what do you think oh, yeah but as a white woman it's going to be much safer it is. for me i didn't really feel unsafe anywhere but again i was with you so yeah i'm not on my own i had a bit of a edgy time in dubai where that guy was sort of rubbing himself while staring at me on the train. Oh, yeah. I, I never actually saw him. Yeah, I just saw you move like, to the other side of me, and I was like, yeah. I, I still don't know which one that, which guy well, that was. Well, I thought, oh, maybe I just imagined it, and then when I looked again a second time, I was like, no. <laughs> that is grim. Yeah. But, I mean, I've been, that's the third time I've been to Dubai, and I, I haven't ever felt like that before any other time. That was just the one time on one train. Yeah. So for you, Middle East, well, Middle East, you just have to be a bit more careful. Yeah. In the, the Muslim countries, I guess. Because um, you covered out. Yeah, you have you to cover your, at least your knees and shoulders. Yeah. For me, yeah, like I said, I never, never really felt unsafe in any of them, no. which is quite interesting. Ah, uh, oh, well, probably Lebanon's a bit edgy. Travelling Lebanon without a guide and a group, I'm sure it's possible and I'm sure people do do it, but not sure how safe that is, especially some of the areas that you go into that you d- I don't think you just wander into them areas without no. knowing someone. Mm. But I think you felt a relief that you're going from Middle East as an area region to Nepal, for example, mm. where you're not totally like no. out there with your outfits, but you no. felt like there's no pressure to get covered up again. And you're still respecting the local customs. Yeah, and not to say that I wanted to walk around with nothing on but it was just a bit nicer to think I can be in a hot country but I don't have to cover everything up Mm. but I can be a bit cooler because I can wear a t-shirt and shorts and it's kind of okay there yeah yeah it was like in stages wasn't it Middle East well Turkey to Middle East Mm. it's a bit more conservative there to Nepal a bit freer and then when you get to Taiwan and South Korea oh yeah that was fine do you want want. yeah yeah Okay, most memorable activity? Well, the first two that come to mind is the Alps train we already yeah. mentioned and the hot air balloon. Cappadocia? Yeah. yeah. That's my mem- most memorable. Mm. Yeah. Great two hours, picking up, get breakfast, get dropped off, suddenly see a bit of light, see the hot air balloon get blown up, go into it, and off you go. Yeah, that is a recommendation that I would just tell people just to pay and do it. You have to go and do it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, most memorable scenery? Well, again, I think like that Gourmet in Cappadocia yeah. is memorable because it's quite different to yeah. most places you go. And also um, the desert landscape in Jordan and Oman. Oman that, yeah. that I haven't been, I haven't really seen that before. Yeah, that was new for me as well. And when you're camping in the middle of the desert and all that's around you is big sand dunes yeah. and then camels like walking by, <laughs> like that is cool. Like, Dreamy almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're slightly different. I thought Jordan was more vast. See for miles, keeps going, but Oman had more wavy sand and more dune type feel. Yeah, the desert in Jordan was flatter, I suppose, with yeah. big like rocks, yeah, like hill formations and really orange sand. Yeah, like yeah. Whereas in Oman, orange. yeah, it was lots of sand dunes, more of the like yellow sand that you'd see in the yeah. films and stuff. Both are great though. Unreal scenery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and both new scenery for us as well. Did we meet many people on the trip? Yes. (laughs) Other travellers? Yeah. I mean, you're, I think you're better at meeting people than I am, but, but we did. And it's always easy to get talking to people because you have that similar Mm. connection that you're travelling and people were, a lot of people were travelling on their own. Yeah. And that's nice because sometimes they will then join us on an activity that we're doing mm. for the day and it's always nice to hang out with another person or two. I also thought Europe was a bit quiet though. Maybe that's the time of year. And we still stayed in hostels. But I felt, oh, are people not staying in hostels anymore? But I think it's just because of the time it's of year. the time of year. Yeah, the hostels that we stayed in, there was hardly anybody around. Great hostels. I mean, there's loads of space to hang around mm. in. But not too many people about. And it is different. I feel like now... In the hostels, people are, including me probably, just looking at your phone, like scrolling, you're not interacting. Mm. Whereas I find that we meet more people when we're doing an activity. Mm. That if we're on a group trip for the day or you're doing a hike, like we tend to get chats with people more yeah. that way than in a hostel. Yeah, yeah. We did meet people as an example on the was it Green Tour in Verona, yeah. mm-hmm. in Cappadocia. There's like five or six of us on that tour. And that, that's a nice little group. So yeah, I think it's definitely possible. And obviously on the trek in, in Nepal, you're gonna meet people on the trek. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, these places are full of travelers, but I think you'll meet more people in the busier times of year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For example, Middle East, it's Ramadan. I mean, who's traveling then? Yeah. Not many people at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saw a few, but not many. Okay. Uh, what I've got here, any places that we visit this year on a backpacking trip that you would go back to visit? I would go back to Turkey. Yeah. Like particularly Istanbul. We were only there for a few days and I think you could easily spend kind of 10 days mm. there, like visiting different areas of the city. Yeah. There's lots of restaurants and places like yeah. to go. So I would like to go back there one day. Uh, I'd like to go back to Croatia. We have only been to the north and like yeah. Zagreb and I've been to Pula. I'd love to go more south. Yeah, down the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be summer though. Off season. Mm. Yeah. Would you go back to Nepal? Yeah. So as you know on the set episode of Nepal, Emma couldn't do the trek because mm-hmm. you got ill. Yep. Um, so that means you have to go back and you can go do it. Yeah, I want to do it. Like I feel like I have done Kathmandu. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind Kathmandu, but now I've spent like the best part of three weeks. Three there. weeks in Kathmandu. Um, no, it's like well, in Kathmandu. In Tamil. In Tamil. In Kathmandu. <laughs> I was fed up after 10 days there. And I didn't mind it. And I didn't feel great for most of it, so it didn't matter. But 
Yeah, I would. I want to do more hiking. Like it is beautiful. Yeah. Like the scenery is stunning, and the people are so lovely. Yeah, you would probably have to find someone to go with you. I don't think I would mm. go back to the Aussie Langtang. I've done it. Yeah. But I think there's a few people interested in it. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. Get a little cabal of friends to go. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing. Got to get a guide. I've explained all that, but that was a new thing for Nepal. Uh, back to visit. I'd also go back to. Yeah, Taiwan and Korea. Yeah, again, Seoul would be another oh, city that you could spend loads more time in. Yeah. We were there like five yeah. days and we still had, like we packed in those days, but there's still more that we didn't do. And yeah, I think there's loads more of the country yeah. to visit. I yeah. think Seoul was actually my most surprising city, how good it was. Mm. Did your plans change on the road? Well, well, we didn't have plans to start with. No real plans, <laughs> but the first plan, as I mentioned at the start, was to go from London to Istanbul by train. Yes. And we had to change that mm-hmm. plan because in Serbia there's no trains and the workaround was so long, like 10, no more that hours on a bus yeah. through Romania or something. Yeah, I think actually maybe it's more fair to say we did have plans, we just didn't research those plans. We yeah. just had vague ideas of we want to go from here to there. Yeah. We didn't really look at the routes until we were always kind of a couple of days or maybe a week ahead Three of ourselves. Three or four days, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there were times where we changed a lot because we'd realised that we couldn't do something or we'd hear about another place and so we'd want to go there. Yeah. What I wanted to do was not plan too much in advance. You do have to do that for flights. That was a change of plans because we found we just couldn't get to Turkey, so we flew instead from yeah. Austria. Yeah, and that, I think that happens somewhere else as well. Where oh, yeah, we couldn't get the bus from... Dubai or Abu yes. Dhabi over to Oman. Yeah. Again, research, we actually researched just a little bit. Mm. Uh, there's people saying there's two or three buses going. Got there, only one bus going per day. And it's three times a day, morning, afternoon, night. Mm. And they're all booked up for the next three days, I think. Yeah, you couldn't book online. The only way you could book was to go into the office. Yeah. Which was a bit out of the smallest out office of the way. in a huge place. Um, yeah. And yeah, by the time we got there, even though we were there like three days ahead of time, and the, even the sign when we walked into the office said that that day and time was available. By the time we actually got to the front of the queue, it had gone. Uh, so that was another time we had to change our plan. Yeah. Uh, got here, much plan in advance, not too much. We just no. explained all that, really. Yeah, which is what I would prefer. But actually, I've learned in this trip, it's okay to not have like your set plan of yeah. schedule. It always kind of works out, and it does mean you can be a bit more flexible. So I am learning to wing it. <laughs> I also felt we did plan a few things in advance and we weren't annoyed with them but we thought oh we should, we should just wait it yeah like tied us in yeah to a location or a date and sometimes yeah. then we'd change our mind and wish we hadn't done that it's a hard one when you have to fly mm. you really have to weigh up you wait as long as you can and then mm. pay more it's a tough one anything you'd change about the trip it's a bit of a broad question that I wouldn't change anything because it just is what it is well what you'd change not being ill in the pool but. well yeah but this is also counter to what I just said, I guess. I wish I had, or we had, had time to do a bit more research about the countries, like not necessarily book in to do stuff, right. but be like, okay, we're going to Korea, what is there to do? So we had an idea of, mm. okay, we'll make time to go to this place and this place, because we tended to sometimes arrive in a city and then be like, okay, let's look at what there is to do, and realise there's loads of stuff to do. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have time to do it all, so I think a little bit of like research into the country, not necessarily like, okay, on this day we'll do this, that day we'll do that. Yeah. I to also sort of use the time better. I mean, it didn't, it hasn't impacted the trip. No. But I think there's a balance between complete winging it, no plan, 
to full on plan and schedule. Yeah. I think at the start of the trip, I had five big goals. Mm. And anything else, I'll wing it. Like the five big goals were the Alps train, Cappadocia, Wild Camping in Oman, Langtang Valley Trek, mm. Jordan as a country. Yeah. They well, were the five big ones. Yeah, that was another example of the non research, right? Because we wanted to do that Langtang Trek. And then, like a week before we got to Nepal, is when we realised that Nepal had just introduced the you have to have a guide. That changed on the trip. That changed on the trip, yeah. yeah. Not too far from when we actually go in. Yeah, about that. That was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously, while camping in Oman, too warm. Yeah, that, yes, we did not think about the temperature. No, but the guy who said, well, you're on the cusp, he says, it's going to be hot. But he said, you are just coming down to like the no season, but like in the summer, absolutely not. But he still had bookings for the summer. Uh, worst accommodation, uh, the best accommodation, weirdly for me, and we have to say this, is the rearranged flight and the hotel we got from Wizz Air, mm, yeah. which is Crown Plaza in Abu Dhabi, even though it's only for like six, seven hours. Yeah. But the plushest room I've ever seen, ever stayed in. Well, yeah, of course, it's somewhere that we would never book because yeah, it's out never of our price too range. Yeah. yeah, so that was a treat. The worst? Uh, well, I didn't think our Paris accommodation was very nice, our okay. first bit. Yeah. But appreciating that that was like a, the cheapest, cheapest place in Paris that we could find, hotel. Yeah. But it was so small, like barely fit the bed in, yeah. tiny shower, and you think you're paying, we were paying like, I don't know, $100 yeah, know. a night or something. But it's just, and I know that's how it is yeah. in Paris or a big city, but it it just wasn't great, and I feel like everywhere else was better. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna have to say, I don't want to be too harsh here, but some accommodation on the track mm. is worse because it's just absolutely rustic. But I feel like I can accept that because you're paying so little. Yes, yeah, five dollars. Yeah, so five dollars. Well, yeah, you are just gonna get hard wooden bed because <laughs> you're paying five dollars and a uh, drop down toilet and stuff like that mm. yeah i know but that's our question so we have some questions on social media so let's get let's crack on with these connor from the comeback podcast says how do you manage your stuff from a minimalistic perspective i struggle big time yeah i really tried and had aspirations i would have a really light pack i downsized i think our first time we went traveling i had a 65 <laughs> maybe 70 liter pack yeah. And so I was determined to downsize, bought a 55 litre one, but ultimately I think I've still got, it's still the same weight as the other one. Yeah. Like I've tried yeah. to buy clothes that are multi-purpose, like I've got some wrap tops you can wear like two ways so you feel like it's different. I was only taking leggings because they're lighter and easier to pack than jeans, they don't take up so much space. Mm. Three pairs of shoes, but it still somehow all adds up. I mean, and then I have like my knitting and crochet stuff, which. If I didn't have that, we might be in. I might be in a slightly better position, but it feels that stuff is not that heavy, though. But it's it's light wool stuff. I guess the accumulation of it, maybe, the or the size of it. Yeah, I think just all of them together. Yeah, and then the toiletries too. I don't know. It seems to all add up, and it's I don't know what is it like sixteen kilograms or something. And ideally, I'd want it to be fourteen at best. I need to lose a couple of kilograms if we do that mm. again. But yeah, I think we had roughly the same weight. Yeah. But the one that yeah. got me was, and I didn't expect this, was the tech. Yeah. I mean, podcasts on the road, you've got to take some stuff with you, mm -hmm. have a camera, which I didn't even use. Yeah, all that tech stuff, I would never have normally taken in the past. So without that, mm. perfect. I think I'd done my clothes pretty perfectly. Yeah. There's one thing I didn't really wear, and that's my linen trousers. Mm. But other than that, I wore everything else. Yeah, it's tough because I think 
you can think or you can buy stuff anywhere, which is true. Like you could yeah. always buy a t-shirt if you yes. needed it or and all your toiletries, but at the same time, you still want to go away with them yeah. and not have to just buy them all the time. Yeah, we done as well as we could, but there's still room for improvement. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't see how I'm getting smaller. That's the problem I face. No. Maybe and if I have less t-shirts, and obviously we're not that minimalist because we've left a, lo a load of stuff in our van in Canada and in the UK. Yeah. So we didn't get rid of everything. Yeah. So Connor's got a few questions. How did you cope with the SIM card situation? It was actually okay. We, we, we bought SIM, SIM cards, cards. In, in certain countries, not all, but some. Yeah, and then others, we didn't buy them because Wi-Fi was kind it's of good. Yeah. available in where we were staying or in cafes and... So we just used that and it was fine. We downloaded like offline maps with Google, which mm -hmm. came in pretty handy just to help navigate around if we didn't have an uh, internet connection. But yeah. it wasn't ever an issue. We didn't have a SIM card. The one thing I wish we had, which we didn't, have, we both don't have, is those phones with dual SIM. Mm. Because Canada keeps sending you texts to verify like banks and stuff. So in an ideal world, I'd have a newer phone that has dual SIM even better if one of those is physical one and the other one is eSIM, then you can keep changing your SIM cards in the country but keep your own one in there. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good way to do it. But other than that, it wasn't really a problem. I think Nepal, we bought it. And if you're doing road trips, I would buy a SIM card. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you've got a way of contacting someone on the road if you get stuck. Yeah. Biggest setbacks and how did you deal with them from Connor? Well, mm -hmm. the Nepal thing was a setback. Just because we planned the trip, booked it, paid for it, done the first hour or two. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Yeah, that was a setback in terms of deciding what to do. Yeah. Like, I probably wasn't going to continue, but were you going to continue? And we've paid for it all, so what happens if you don't? Yeah. And that was a tough decision, though. That's probably yeah. the toughest decision, right? Yeah. I think, of the trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both pretty upset about that. Yeah. But yeah. the right decision. Yeah, it was the right decision. I was really disappointed to not be able to carry on and frustrated, but I knew that it wasn't worth me carrying on. Like, yeah, it was like a cold flu thing, but when you're climbing a thousand meters a day or whatever it was mm. in altitude, like, I was not going to be feeling great. Yeah. It wasn't worth, it wasn't worth it. I would have been miserable and yeah, it was better for me to just go. Yeah. But you got your taxi, well, lift back to Kathmandu and yeah. recovered. So that was, hey, dealt with that. And you can always go back and do it. Yeah. You can always go back. I think it's the rule from that. Yeah. There wasn't any other big setbacks no, I can remember. only the ones where we realised, like, with the train, we couldn't get to Istanbul via train, so oh, yeah. we had to rethink that. And the same with the Dubai to yeah. Oman. That's where it you need to be more flexible. There were sort of setbacks where our plans didn't work out, but it, it didn't, it wasn't a big setback in terms of it didn't, like, delay dates or no. our time. No. Okay. Mountain Town Ravelers said, what has surprised you the most? I'm going to answer straight off the bat here, the cost. <laughs> yeah. I think when you have a four to five year gap, was it four? Yeah, four, like proper traveling. What I mean by that is you're doing two or three months, maybe you don't have a job, no income, just everything's more expensive versus some of the times, I think. Well, yeah, but I, as I said before we left, Europe and Middle East would be expensive countries and that our budget was going to be too small. Mm. But I guess even then, even though I knew that, I didn't appreciate how much everything had gone up. Mm. So yeah, we have got through the budget yeah. a bit more than expected. So Marie from the Culture Cult Show said, when did you start to see yourself change on the trip? 
from how you were from when you started? For me, I guess I could look at my anxiety. Yeah. Which I struggle with, even though I know that, like, I really enjoy traveling. I feel like my anxiety was really bad this trip compared mm. to previous ones. Why is that? I think I just got in a space where I was focusing on the worst things that could happen. Yeah. Some countries it was all right, but I think it peaked for me in Oman. Yeah. Like it got it started in Jordan. And I think it started in Jordan because even though I just said it was great, the roads were not always great. Mm. And we had a couple of instances with the car that we hired yeah. struggling to get up the mountain <laughs> roads. And yeah. it was just an old one. I'd recommend if you are going to hire a car to rent a, a newer 4x4 yeah. than a two-wheel drive. Um, so I then started to get a bit anxious about what our road conditions like and we know nothing about cars so what's going to happen if we break down in the middle of nowhere mm. etc so and I carried that into a mind where we were also hiring a car not knowing what the roads would be like and also we were wild camping which the idea of it I liked until it became a reality and it was going to be up to 40 degrees in heat yeah um and actually not knowing exactly where you're going to camp for the night like you couldn't look like on Iverlander there wasn't really much in terms of, oh, yeah, camp here, camp mm. there. So I got really stressed about it a lot, didn't I? Yeah. That I had a real... Just, uh, then everything got on top of me and I was just getting anxious and stressed about everything. Mm. When actually, of course, it was all fine and it was great. The, yeah. road, the roads were great and all the activities were great. Um, nothing was bad. So in the next bit of Nepal, I was happy to be in Nepal. I loved Nepal, but I was still anxious about the trip. Like, what was the weather going to be like? Mm was this going to happen, what if we get injured, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, I couldn't do the hike, and that really taught me a lesson of I need to stop <laughs> getting anxious because then I wasted all the time being anxious, then started it being excited, but instantly then I got ill and I couldn't do it. So I have since then realised I had to change my mindset yeah, and just teach myself that all the times I've ever been anxious or if anything has happened, it's always worked out fine. Yeah. I guess with winging it, it takes a certain type of person because, yeah, it's not all planned out mm. and it can be stressful day to day because you don't know where you're going to go or what you're going to be doing, yeah. what things will go okay. But yeah, so I'm trying to, well, I think I've got much better mm. of just being like, no, it's going to work out. If something bad happens, it's probably going to be fine mm. and don't worry until until that thing happens. Don't waste your time. True. Anxiety, I think most things that you worry about don't actually happen yeah a little point for me as well in Oman wild camp anywhere so you can go anywhere it's just a bit eerie when there's just no one else around or and it takes a yeah. certain kind of person to go oh that's alright we were at the end yeah. of the season or after the end of the yeah. season really so we didn't see anybody else camping yeah. anywhere we went Yeah. and that was tough too because then you think oh well, can we camp here mm. should we not be here we don't really know so I would like to see it in a different time when there are more people around yeah but yeah so I think my change is slow it didn't start to change to the end but I think I've been better yeah I think so mm. and then for us obviously it got easier I think I think when we went from Middle East it started to Nepal was obviously there Taiwan South Korea were a bit of a breeze mm. like trains running okay, they don't speak amazing English but easy enough to get by and I felt just, I loved it because I felt oh it's just easy travel and that was a bit of a difference and then I got Straw Hut Media saying you are a true inspiration stop it 
guys. <laughs> you just put there. that in there to. <laughs> but thanks, appreciate it. And to finish the episode, we're going to wrap up for another two to three minutes, just about what's next. So we came back to Vancouver, mm-hmm. picked up our camper van, it started. Yeah. Got stuff ready, and we've officially started the road trip. But yep. our plan is what? We're driving east. <laughs> east. Yeah. We we just did our little. Part one, yeah. nine days over on Vancouver Island and the Sunshine Coast, yep. and that was great. Yeah. And now we're back in Vancouver to record this, and tomorrow we start making our way across Canada. Yeah, huge country. Yeah, so we're following pretty much Highway 1. Yeah. That's, we're sticking to that, stopping in the kind of major cities. Major cities, a few lakes. A few lakes, national parks. A couple of islands, like maybe Newfoundland as well, Yeah. east. And then after that, we're going to assess. I think if we're good to go and the car's doing all right, we're yeah. going to drive all the way down. Into the US. Into US and back round up the West Coast to Vancouver. Yeah. Around November will be the end. Yeah, so kind of four months in total if all goes to plan. Yeah. Again, no real plan of things to see, but we have drawn out a list of places that we want to get to for, by certain dates, mainly because you get into bad weather. And we have to really be wrapped up by November because it starts getting really cold. Mm-hmm. And we've got quite a rustic camper van because it's a small camper van. It's mini, mini, mini van, is the official. Toyota Sienna, gutted out. It's got a bed, it's got a few things in it. Mm-hmm. And it's very cozy. Yeah, I, so far, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Obviously, a bigger van be better, but I quite like our little space. Yeah. If anyone has any recommendations of what we should see and do mm. in Canada or the US, yeah. let us know. US is a bit easier to plan out. Canada's a bit more difficult, I think. There's places, but what things in those places? Mm. But US is like certain points you can hit that are just, you've got to go and see. Like White House, Mount Rushmore, at Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Just a bit easier. But yeah, no real plan. A rough schedule, and we'll see what we find on the road. And hopefully, if you're in Canada, we can say hi. Yeah. I'm coming east. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much our trip till November. And then we don't know after that. We'll yeah. come back around to that at the time. Mm-hmm. We've got to get through to November and see if the car survives first. Uh, but the first nine days has been amazing weather. Yeah. Great scenery on the mm-hmm. island and the islands. Yeah. And also fairly comfortable camping at yeah. the minute. Very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. All good so far. So that's the next Let's bit. hope it continues. Right. We'll wrap up there. Mm-hmm. That's our little episode. Yeah. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. You didn't like the winging at the questions though, did you? No, I didn't get <laughs> I didn't get the privilege of having questions before the podcast recording like all other guests do. <laughs> yeah, but it's sorry okay. about that. That's the way it We're goes. It. Okay, thanks guys. I'll see you next time. See ya. Cheers. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.